the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, it is a very interesting program coming up in a few moments. Uh, we've got a new commentator, new guest and author, Richard C. Lyons, who will join me. And uh, he's kind of a he's written two volumes of a three volume series on the democracy in America and history. He's going to talk about the debate a little bit and otherwise uh, generally we'll see sort of a new guy. So it's good. And then I've been waiting for this interview for a while. Chadwick Moore is a, a young ish journalist who about a year and a half ago was asked by uh, was invited by Tucker Carlson to do a um, biography of Tucker. And the biography is out in the last few months, maybe six weeks. It's called Tucker by Chadwick Moore. Uh, and we'll finally talk with him. I've read that book. It's very, very interesting. As I've said before, Tucker Carlson's a fascinating character for many reasons. But he's hitting the scene right when his value is the highest. And by that, I mean, he's an incredible writer, which means he's an incredibly clear thinker. And uh, we'll talk about Chadwick more. He references that in the book. So uh, we will visit that echoes my experience of the late Phyllis Schlafly, who was a a prolific writer and and very clear thinker. Um, so, all right. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there for the daily email, the daily wink, what you need to know. You'll get that in your inbox at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time, and everywhere in between. And the goal here is to make sure you have a few key links, a few key thoughts, and one wink what you need to know and that's what we'll do right now also so uh proamericareport.com okay my favorite one of my very favorite things is when our listeners uh folks that listen on the Salem Radio Network or listen uh one of the St. Louis stations that picks us up or uh many many people who listen to the podcast the pro america report podcast or the standalone links that the people will find a way to send me a message uh, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, they'll direct message me because the DMs are open uh, through Facebook, Ed Martin Live, all different kinds of places. Email uh, ed at phyllisschlafly.com, ed at phyllisschlafly.com. So um, it's uh, always a pleasure. And I was sent by one of our listeners uh, a link on YouTube uh, to an interview that Donald Trump did with Larry Kudlow. About a week ago. Now, I had not seen this interview. It's about a little bit less than an hour. I think it took up the whole Cudlow show. Uh, it was recorded up in New Jersey. Uh, August originally aired on August 17th, recorded on the 16th of August. But it's Trump heavily, Larry Kudlow, of course, being uh, over on uh, Fox Business, heavily interested in the business uh, side of things, the economy. And he's actually... Um, he, he only a couple minutes at the very beginning do they talk about the news a few days before of Trump being indicted yet again. And but the whole thing is about the economy. And when you listen to Trump talk about the economy and they had a bunch of charts and numbers, it was a well-prepared interview. You really got the sense of the difference in leaders. Trump told a story about how he had been told that President Macron of France was going to enact a, uh, a kind of a tax, a surcharge on American goods that were entering France. 
And so Trump called up, this is while he was president, called up Macron and said, Macron and said, you can't do that. And Macron said, well, they already passed it through our parliament and I've already signed off on it. And Trump said, no, no, you can't do that. If you do that, it was the weekend. I will Monday morning by executive order slap a a, uh, a surcharge on everything that comes out of France to us. And Macron said, oh, no, no, you can't do it. And he said, watch me. And Macron, and he said, call me back. I think he said 15 minutes, call me back and tell me that you stopped it. And otherwise I'm going to do it too. And he said, and if you think I'm going to have a political problem, you're wrong. He said, because people are going to see what you're doing and they're going to expect me to fight back. And Macron backed down. He backed down. Now, I mean, you talk about strong leaders. You talk about strong leaders. And then you say to yourself, well, was he, you know, was he threatening him? Yeah. But he was directionally threatening him for America's good. And maybe I'm being um, uh, too Trump friendly when I say this, but to me, that's an example of protecting American interests. You contrast that with the rising number of stories that really show that Joe Biden as vice president was interested in, in things. He may have believed in the direction of the things. I don't know, but they were helping his son and him make money, massive amounts of money. And it's growing evidence. It's happening like almost every day. It's how you know that I think that the Democrats even don't want uh, Biden to run because they're really the the sharp knives are out. Although I think they thought that they would bury it under the uh, so-called plea deal last uh, month. And that fell apart. But here's what you need to know. Trump in the same interview, and I'll put it up on social media. I want you to go look. He talks about the economy and he doesn't have magic fixes, but he has clear facts. He's talking about inflation. He's talking about the cost of gasoline. He's talking about the uh, the stalled economic growth. And, and one of his main solutions, and I think it is the main solution, is to lower our energy costs. Now, you can do that a bunch of ways. In France, they're doing it by nuclear. They want to lower their energy costs by nuclear. They don't want to do it by natural gas or oil. Okay, fair enough. That It doesn't matter how. It matters that. And what Trump said was ANWR, the Alaskan uh, Wildlife Reserve, whatever the uh, uh, acronym stands for, is he said it could be as big as Saudi Arabia. And that's it for us. Then we're totally energy independent. And then everything, the cost of the cost of, of oil and gas go down. Everything goes down. Everything goes down. It's not a one and done, meaning just oil or even just gas, natural gas. It's in all of the above. But you watch that interview with Larry Kudlow and you tell me that you don't have a president who understands how the economy works and understands how to get things done. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, um, as much as I like all of the, uh, battling and I do, I of course enjoy it being sufficiently Irish American. I like to see lots of battling and I like to see when Trump is fighting for our side and, and showing them out and making clear that it's all a fraud and uh, this is lawfare and all. What I really like is the idea that someone could be in charge in this country and get us on the right track in terms of the economy, in terms of upward mobility, opportunity. And it certainly isn't Biden. You know, they spent some time in this interview. And again, it's worth watching the interview. It's about 40 after the first four or five minutes, which are sort of a warm up. So then it's about 35 minutes and it's all Trump in his, in his, uh, in his, you know, kind of to full flow about the economy. Not about the legal system, not about the unfairness of it. He covers that in the first four minutes. This is all about the economy. And he's talking about how to get out of the way of ingenuity and how to make things work. And when you watch it, 
you'll say to yourself, this, I mean, this is the kind of leadership we need. There's other people that do it. I mean, I'm not saying he's the only one, but it's so, it's so obvious that he has the, the, uh, the, the uh, ability uh, to do it. And the contrast is stunning. It's really, really stunning to watch. And what you need to know is uh, we've got to have something change. We, we, we have to, uh, whether you like Trump or not, it can't be Biden. And I think at this point, people realize that. All right. So um, what else in this uh, interview? Let me look back at my notes. Kudlow. Kudlow is, of course, uh, you know, he's a former Trump staffer. So he's he's pretty um, he's pretty uh, um, uh, amenable. Uh, oh, another aspect of this. Uh, Trump says when you have an open border, when you have sort of lawlessness, he didn't use that word. But he, when he says the cartels are in charge, he said, you don't even know what you're getting. In other words, you can't run a business if you don't know what you're getting what the you know what what is happening and so with the border he's like we don't even know what we're getting we know that it's not you know it's not good it's not controlled it's not managed it's there's a lot of sadness and a lot of devastation a lot of trafficking all that but he's basically saying we don't know what we're getting and that's no way to run a country trump's point is yes build a wall he brings that up specifically but also have a sense of what you're getting and and decide what you want that's a different part of governing. Now, I would argue, and I don't think that uh, President Trump meant to preclude this, but I would argue that I think the Biden administration—that's part of their, um, uh, that part of their uh, uh, plan. The Biden plan is just to take anything. That the chaos is the opportunity for them. I don't think that they care uh, to to have it to, to manage it. So, in other words, it's not an oversight; it is a choice, and that the chaos is the choice. They know. That what they're getting, they may not realize the implications. When uh, when was it uh, was it uh, Robert Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy? If you watch his interview with Tucker, um, what you hear him say is that um, along the border, when uh, RFK Jr. was there, when he was down at the border, what he discovered was it wasn't Latin American people, it wasn't South American people, it was people from all over the world that were coming across the border. And he was saying Azerbaijan and all you know Afghanistan and Pakistan and all these places, all young men coming into the country. And again, he said, we, 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 he didn't know that. Uh, uh, RFK Jr., he said, I didn't know that when I got down there. I, I, in other words, we don't even know. Most people assume, oh, well, it's families of Hispanics that are coming across the border to get away from their poor economy or whatever in their country. By the way, that's not a reason to come into our country. That's not a reason that's supposed to be used. But what RFK Jr. said was, no, it wasn't that at all. It was, uh, what did he use the phrase? Military age men from nations all across the world, Africa, Asia, Europe, and not friendly, not always friendly nations. That's me adding that, not him. So extraordinary. All right, that's what you need to know. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Now, this one, my listeners know when I say this, they're always like, oh, here we go again. But this one I have had on my calendar uh, for a while. Our, our next guest has written a book on Tucker Carlson. And I was trying to think, uh, Chadwick Moore, our guest, how to say this the best, because sometimes it's, I, I was going to say it's better to be lucky than good in terms of timing in a book. Or maybe it's uh, what is it? Uh, you know, uh, a fortune uh, honors the bold is maybe a better one. Uh, but the book is called 
called Tucker uh, by Chadwick Moore. Uh, and its uh, timing is extraordinary in terms of what's going on. It's all seasons press, uh, our friends over there. And so, first of all, welcome, uh, Mr. Moore. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm great. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Now, uh, first question. In the book, you do refer to some of these details, but uh, and friends and colleagues that may not be Trump supporters or Tucker supporters. Did you lose friends over writing this book? Uh, no. Well, I lost all my connections at Fox News. I was a regular on <laughs> Tucker's show and I was a regular right. on Gutfeld's and many others. But uh, uh, within about an hour of us announcing the book, I was uh, kicked off of all my upcoming Fox appearances and uh, blocked by several Fox News hosts, including Greg Gutfeld. Uh, but, you know, they weren't friends. So, uh, no, I've not lost friends over this book in particular. <laughs> that's a big but that's a big that's a big problem in a way, though. Right. Because I and I my listeners know I did a stint at CNN and and I was a contributor. And even though I disagreed with them, my job was to be more conservative. But ultimately, I got pushed out and suddenly you lose a huge platform for not only um, being heard, but making your arguments kind of in the big leagues. It's a big it's a big blow, right? I don't think so. I mean, I don't really care. And if that's the direction that Fox is, I've never been a corporate person. I can't stand corporate environments. So uh-huh. I never felt I really belonged there, but I had fun. I was grateful, of course, you know, but right. um, I'm not like a TV guy. I never really cared. Uh, and if the direction they're going, you know, Tucker was, was his show was taken off the air purely for ideological reasons. Right. And uh, I happen to agree with tons that he stands for. And um, I, uh, you know, don't really care if I'm not affiliated with the network that that doesn't support those views and wants those views, not even not supporting them, but wants those views silenced and taken out of the mainstream national discourse, which is what they effectively did. Uh, so why would I give my time to those people? I don't care. Do you uh, well? And the, the, as you say that you're not, you're a writer, you're not a TV guy. Um, so uh, why bother? So what, what's the biggest surprise when you go for? Uh, first of all, it's a fascinating book, and and it's fascinating for lots of reasons. Again, it's called Tucker by Chadwick Moore. All Seasons Press. You can get to allseasonspress.com sells it, but also everywhere books are sold. Uh, what's your biggest surprise when you started in on this? What's the thing that kind of jumped out at you and made you say, you know what? And looking back on it, that you know, I'm, I'm sure it was the getting to know him and all these kinds of personal things. But was there something about this? You've done a lot of writing. That really uh, surprised you. Well, we've been working on this book for well over a year, so long before uh, his show was taken off the air, and right. um, you know, actually, we were basically done when that happened. So we, we pushed the publication date back. I interviewed Tucker several more times, added new chapters to the book. You know, Tucker really let me into his. He trusted me. He hasn't asked to see a word of it. He, I'm an independent biographer, and he totally. Uh, trusted me and welcomed me into his life, let me stay in his home. I got to know his family, got to know him very, very well over the last year and finding out what really makes him tick, what kind of a guy he is, where he came from. And I think that, you know, what what the kind of takeaway is, and I think the the portrait that I painted of him in this book is a guy who doesn't really care about politics per se. He's far more interested in these bigger questions of uh, morality and family and spirituality and beauty and he sees those as, you know, in, in related to politics, certainly, and informing politics. But I think that's something that he's painted as this sort of caricature in the media, this kind of two-dimensional villain by the left and even by the establishment right, uh, that really is not the man who he is uh, at all. And, and, you know, I really saw that when I was working on this book. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Chadwick Moore and uh, Chadwick uh, Chadwickmore.com is a website where I, I I went and looked and saw some of your stuff. So uh, Chadwickmore.com will put that up. Uh, he's an author, a journalist, uh, contributing editor over at the Spectator, um, written for everybody under the sun. If you look at his uh, career career, so and his newest book is Tucker. Um, it, it is uh, about that. 
uh, when you read this book, that's what you get. I, 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 I get this sense of Tucker Carlson's confidence. Now, he's not a kid, 26 years old, trying to earn his way. He's 50 something, 52 or three. So it's it's a different season in his life. So that makes a difference. But it just does seem that that's part of his uh, strength. The the other thing I thought and I wanted to ask your your reaction, it feels to me like he's a writer. And I, by that, I mean, I worked for Phyllis Schlafly and her whole life, even till her death, she was working on a column the day before she died. A- and she used to talk about how writing was a habit, hard habit, hard work, but it, it made her a thinker and a, and a seer more than most. Is he, is that right about him? Uh, that's completely right. He's, he's a print guy, you know, at his, at his heart and his soul. He's extremely literary. Uh, you know, we talked about books and literature a lot when I, when working on this book. And uh, he kind of stumbled into television, which we describe in the, in the book. He, yeah. had no, he had no desires to be on TV. He just kind of fell into it. Even when he was, you know, making big cable news money at CNN and other places, he would still go up and do magazine articles because he loved it so much. And, you know, those, those monologues that he was so famous for on his Fox News show, the, that A block, that's all him. That's all his writing. And that's very much his creative outlet. Uh, and intellectual outlet, you know, as you said, like like um, Phyllis Shapley had said that uh, I think it, it certainly I think he loves it. And it also does keep him sharp and keeps him grounded. Uh, and you know, I think that's the reason why he was so uh, one of the reasons why he was so effective and had such a connection with his audience was what you were seeing on the show, especially those A blocks he was so famous for. That was all him. And that was all him communicating, you know, his thoughts, his emotions, his feelings and the things that he had learned and researched. Uh, again, uh, we're talking with Chad McMore. Uh, his uh, a book uh, on Tucker Carlson is out. It really, really worth reading closely to understand. But it does make me feel like um, how does Tucker, you know, yes, it's true that Tucker Carlson, when you read the book, you realize he stumbled into TV. And as you mentioned, uh, I'm interested that his uh, his a block is his writing. You can sort of tell that um, and when you say it, it clicks in my head. But what? how does what, what's next in a way? Because even the interviews that I see him doing are extraordinary because he's thoughtful and interesting and has an angle on it but i don't get the sense that he gets the a block writing as much so do you do you wonder if how he's going to uh, sort of get get that fix i so he's currently still a fox news employee he's still getting a paycheck every week oh. he's still under contract I see. he's trying to get out of the contract but he's uh, fox isn't letting him out uh the contract ends after the next presidential election so uh whoever Whoever wanted his him silence is happy to pay a lot of money to uh, try to keep him silent till after that. Uh, but once they're freed up, and hopefully that'll be before, uh, that'll be sooner than later. Uh, I think that you're going to see um, perhaps or maybe a return to that format. You know, I do know that they're raising money to start their own media company, and uh, Tucker's executive producer Justin told me that when they're able to do that. Uh, people are going to see a lot more Tucker than they ever did on Fox News. I see. I see. That's interesting. Um, again, back to read on the situation. You have no reason you're not speaking on Tucker's behalf or anything, but reading the the the, the um, reporting that you've done, will, do you think he'll get out of that contract? Can he? Can, can they cu- cut a deal? Is that what would happen? They'd have a settlement. They owe him twenty five million dollars, and he says, "I'll take twelve and walk away." It's it's difficult because you know those contracts are. I haven't seen his contract specifically but right. those contracts are, can be really onerous now i do know that tucker's had a lot more freedom in his contract than a lot of other fox news personalities right. uh, while he was even at his show on fox he could still do podcasts things like that still give speeches a lot of fox personalities it's like no they own your face you can't even be on video anywhere mm-hmm. uh, so i know he had more freedom 
Uh, but, you know, there's also a lot of them have these clauses that not only do you, you know, a, a network pays you to perform, but they have to allow you to perform. So, you know, Fox might be in violation of their contract, their end of the contract as well. Uh, it's it's you know, it, it the longer Fox keeps this up, I mean, the worse it seems to be going for their 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 public <laughs> yeah. image. I don't yeah. think it looks very good. They're sending him cease and desist letters to stop his show on Twitter, which, by the way, he's not getting paid for and not making any money on. Uh, so, uh, you know, it seems like it would be in their best interest to try to uh, figure it out and yeah. as soon as possible. But you never know. I just have a, a minute le- left. Uh, Chadwick Moore is our guest. Um, one question that maybe I know it's unfair to do it to you in a minute. Why does Tucker keep going? He's got money. He's got fame. He seems well-adjusted enough. I've seen him and I've talked to him about his kids. He's, you know, does he really need this? He doesn't. And he doesn't certainly need the the guff he gets from both sides. But I think he's truly driven by wanting to see this country be better and leave a better country for his kids. I mean, I think he there's really nothing that that gets him going more than as uh, the tagline of his show was the the sworn enemy of lying, pomposity, smugness, and groupthink. He grew up in that Washington world. He knows mm-hmm. it so well. He knows how corrupt they are, how much they devour all of middle America. And I think he is really incensed by it and really wants to expose it. Yeah. All right, Chadwick Moore, thank you for uh, taking the time and doing this book. I wish you success. I hope it's a huge hit. And I hope that you uh, I did re- read in there. I think it's his father uh, that you mentioned. He he deserves a, a book of his own. That's made me smile because I know some of the stories about him. So thanks, Chadwick. Good luck with everything. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. All right. Chadwick Moore, everybody. I'll put up on social media links to all his stuff, his uh, own uh, work on his uh, website, as well as his book. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Uh, time to catch up with another author. But uh, in this case, the uh, author also uh, gets us an uh, uh, important time because of this upcoming debate and the Republican debate. So it's a good conversation on this. The book is called The DNA of Democracy. The author is Richard C. Lyons. Uh, Richard C. Lyons. You can go to richardclyons.com uh, and check out all of his stuff. His biography is lengthy. He's got uh, advanced degrees and is an author and others. Uh, but in this case, we were having an exchange, uh, one of his folks on on the upcoming debate. And I thought, let's talk about it. So welcome, sir. How are you? Very good, Ed. Great to be with you. Great to be with you. All right. So first of all, what happens when one of the main participants of a debate doesn't show? And uh, you know, we've never really had such a dominant character like Trump decide not to go. I understand why. I think I agree with why, if you believe in Trump uh, in his campaign, but it, it changes that debate a lot, right? It does. Um, and I think you know, he's been unique since he came down the escalator, hasn't he? Really, yeah. since he came into public life. But I think this is a strategy on his part that is is a winning one in that he can play the general and be above the field. Right. And looking where all of his opponents lie on different issues without having to engage so that he can see on which side the line with with regard to the economy, with regard to immigration, on a, on a host of issues, he can see where each um, candidate lies and then be ready for the next uh, debate. So it's, I think it's a rather savvy move. I think he's doing an interview at the same time with mm-hmm. uh, Tucker Carlson yeah. on yeah. a, on a competing network. So um, I, I think it's a savvy, uh, savvy play. And I think, you know, we're far enough away from the election that he can afford to miss uh, one debate. 
Uh, we're talking with Richard C. Lyons, and and his uh, I mentioned his book uh, that that I, I wanted to set up. It's actually a series. The first one is the DNA of Democracy a few years ago, and the second one just last year, Shadows of the Acropolis, uh, Volume Two. Um, so tell me about this series, though. You, you're basically the series is really about kind of citizenship, about democracy. What's what? What are you doing? Well, here? it's and it's really simple. There there are two books in the series so far. There will be three. Okay. But the first one, the DNA of democracy, is all about how and why our country was created the way it was from all the best examples of democracies and republics that went before it, with the spiritual element of the Ten Commandments and, and the Judaic-Christian um, uh, background. Right. The Shadows of the Acropolis goes into how our constitutional government has changed in the past 100 years. So you have the DNA of democracy, which sets the template between liberty and tyranny and how we were founded in liberty. Shadows of the Acropolis is about the founding of the administrative state in America and our migration away from our founding principles to where we are today, Ed. And what's so important about the debate is to see where all the different candidates come down with regard to the strength and power that is now vested in the administrative state. It is the same administrative state that has been attacking Donald Trump and conservative conservatism largely uh, for the past many years. Uh, so and I see it. But when you look at this, then with the history, um, I heard someone call our justice system, our system, constitution, the rule of law, the sort of, um, you know, uh, imperfect, but best in the world and maybe in human history, fairness of the system, due process and other things. They called it the crown jewel. And you look up and you say um, that crown jewel is being, I don't know, destroyed, stolen uh, by the current you know, sort of Trump derangement syndrome. Now, uh, so before I get to the debate a little more, how do we yes. how do how do we address that? Well, you have to look at you have to look at how the administrative state was founded. It was founded by Woodrow Wilson based on the idea that an administrative state would be apolitical, meaning non-political. As we have seen since Barack Obama took office and his attacks on the Tea Party his attacks yeah. on organizations of faith like Little Sisters of the Poor, his use of the IRS to investigate opponents. Since that time, the administrative state has been anything but apolitical. It is now political. It is in the basket with the Democratic Party, which is now a socialist party. So this is a very dangerous alliance we're looking at. All right. So when you listen tomorrow, uh, when Wednesday night is the debate, right? Wednesday night to the debate. It, it, yes. Are you on that question? In in one of the uh, back and forths uh, we I had with one of your team, the the, the thought was, you know, um, debaters are going to if they attack Trump, they're probably going to lose ground because nobody, a whole bunch of people don't want to hear it. But how how, how what do you expect to see? Let me do it that way. I expect to see a, a it, being a first debate. I expect to see uh, nervousness. I expect to see tentativeness in taking on the issues of today. But I think there is, and Ed, it's the reason I wrote the two books. I think the most serious, serious issue we have facing us is not one issue, but a hundred issues that are all symptoms of the same disease. So when you see the FBI investigating parents at a school meeting, when you see um, uh, attacks on industry in the, in the fossil fuel industry, um, these are all symptoms of the same disease. So I'll be interested to see what candidates have to say about the administrative state, about its overreach, 
and and the reach it's about to take through the um, Inflation Reduction Act, which is actually an attack on uh, the energy sector of our economy. Uh, Richard C. Lyons is our guest. If you go to richardclyons.com, uh, you can uh, see all of his stuff there. Richard C. Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S.com. And uh, his books are available everywhere. You get books, uh, The DNA of Democracy, as well as uh, uh, Volume uh, 2, uh, which uh, we we were just talking about. I just lost my title. Shadows of the Acropolis. Um, okay, so Richard, uh, how bad a crisis is this? Again, you, your books are about um, the sort of American sort of philosophy and all, but they're heavy on on the history of how we got here. How big a problem are we in? How big a trouble? It feels like it's terrible and scary and all, but there were moments early in our founding. There are moments in, in world history that are equally troubling, but how big a problem is this? Well, I think, Ed, we're frankly at a crossroads, and that's what I try to define with, with my books between the country we were founded as, which is our founding principles, and socialism. Socialism is is the seed that was brought into America in the administrative state 100 years ago. It's been growing slowly for 100 years, but now we're at the point where we have to decide who's in control, our representatives or unelected bureaucrats. And that's the issue of the day, and we're right at the crossroads. We we have another challenge. I think we'll uh, come out of this with a renewal of our founding principles and a renewal of our country. Uh, Richard C. Lines. So, but is our guest, the author and uh, commentator, um, you mentioned the very first answer, you mentioned the size, I think, of the regulatory state or some yes. phrase like that. Yes. How, 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 can, how can we envision the return, the, the re, uh, relinquish, <laughs> relinquishing of power? I hate to say it this crassly, but if Trump is president, I want him to use his DOJ to get to the bottom of all these you know, fraudsters and people that have been doing the things they've been doing to uh, him and others. And suddenly yes. you say, we're just going tit for tat, still using the massive power of government as opposed to, you know, uh, somehow dramatically reducing the power. You know, I, I, Diva, I don't want to, what we shouldn't want is a new EPA director who does a better job of uh, allowing us to have energy independence. We need an EPA director who says, please take away more of my power. Please take away more yes, of my, isn't, now that's, how do we envision Ed, that happening? Right on the head. Ed, you hit it right on the head. You need, you have to follow the example of George Washington, frankly. Right. who sat at the Constitutional Convention and listened to how his power would be constrained mm-hmm. compared to every other leader of countries in the world at the time. You have to have leaders who want to divest power out of Washington and back to the states, back to localities, back to parents, back to families. It has to be a different generation with a knowledge of where we are and how to get out of this morass, which is we're suffering the same sort of tyranny that exists in Europe, in their bureaucratic states, it's it's socialism on steroids. It's um, it is uh, again though, I, and again, I just have less than a minute. The envisioning the confident leader who would relinquish power instead of doing it, you wielding power better—that's the challenge I see. Yes, Ed, you're exactly right. It's someone who says there's too much power in Washington; it has to be diffused. Yeah, that's how our country was founded by a diffusion of power, not by its concentration. Yeah, it's a challenge. All right. Well, hey, thank you very much. Uh, great to, uh, oh, to speak. You. Yeah. Richard C. Lyons. Uh, we'll have you back again. Uh, the Wonderful. author and a commentator. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Ed. Thanks very much.
All right. We will take a break. We'll come back. I'll put up on social media a link to his website and also to his books. And uh, we'll have him back again. That was a good conversation. Thoughtful, uh, smart guy. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Few Americans would base their vote for president on where President Donald Trump stored boxes of documents related to his presidency when he moved out of his residence at the White House. Many public officials take copies of documents with them when they leave office, just as Vice President Joe Biden did when he left the White House in 2017. Biden hasn't been charged with anything, by the way. But many federal workers in D.C. are too virulently anti-Trump to allow the democratic process to work without interference by fanatical federal prosecutors who have indicted Trump over documents. The timing of this federal indictment to be less than one week after suspension of the debt ceiling, which keeps the money flowing to these federal prosecutors, seems to be more than a coincidence. The GOP majority in the House does not have to allow taxpayer millions to be spent on biased investigators taking pictures of boxes of obscure documents stored in an unused bathroom. Donald Trump has built successful companies and skyscrapers, employed thousands, and defeated the idol of most federal workers, Hillary Clinton. Then Trump committed unforgivable sins in the eyes of the feds by firing their FBI director, James Comey and by pardoning the victims of the Department of Justice political prosecutions. The January 6th protests were, on top of all that, a thorough humiliation of the deep state in D.C., for which it has been retaliating ever since. All Trump did on that day was to give a speech while serving as president, and it's very difficult to convert a presidential address into some kind of crime. Without a doubt, the deep state has a great deal of reason to despise Donald Trump, but none of that excuses their intentional attempt to silence the people's voice in the upcoming presidential election. Political indictments like this are unprecedented in America. Voters should be able to focus on the issues that they care about without being slammed with wall-to-wall coverage of a phony scandal. Soon, the voters will get another lesson in how Donald Trump thrives when backed into a corner. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. These culturally relevant commentaries, along with videos, columns, and bulletins, are waiting for you at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Plus, find, follow, and share our news and views on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Parler, Gab, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I previewed earlier in the Pro-America Report my reasons, part of my reasons for you to come and be a part of Eagle Council in St. Louis on September 15th, 16th, and 17th this year, just a month or so from now. And I want to go through that a little bit more. Every year for the past 52 years, it's actually been a little bit more than that because there was at least one year where we could not have the event uh, Phyllis Schlafly hosted Eagle Council and Eagle Council was a gathering of what she called her Eagles, uh, what we call uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles today. It's a group of people. It, it's it's a little loosely defined. It's not um, only 
sort of membership, like uh, pay $20 and you're a Phyllis Schlafly Eagle. It's kind of being affiliated with Phyllis Schlafly's work, which is broadly described as pro-family, pro-life, uh, certainly pro-America, pro-America report, but also America first. She used that phrase quite a bit. Um, Phyllis Schlafly was someone who had a great vision for how America's specialness came about, um, founded in the Constitution and the rule of law and the founding values and things like uh, patent law, uh, property rights around inventions and things. She described uh, marvelously in some of her writings about how powerful that was. She had this great vision of the Constitution being extraordinarily powerful at knitting us together and having protections for our system, all these things. She was a great woman of faith. So she believed that our Judeo-Christian values at the founding and our Christian values uh, fundamentally informed how we lived, and it made a big difference. So our gatherings are not the cattle call gatherings. If you go to CPAC, you've probably seen the pictures. If you've attended, they sometimes have 4,000, 5,000 people. They'll have a room that'll have a, a 5,000, 2,500 people watching the big speeches. Um, they'll have dozens and dozens of, uh, of, of, um, uh, tables and, and booths and all. It's really like a trade show. And now Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's group, they do similar things where just huge crowds. They're, now they're not, I'm not describing them as not without value. I think they all have their own value. They fit a certain niche, um, depending on, you know, the, the Koch brothers used to have big events and they tended to be more sort of globalist and libertarian leaning and different kinds of things. You can go to some incredibly powerful, large gatherings of pro-lifers, uh, some of the pro-life conventions. The uh, March for Life in, um, in D.C. now has sort of conventions wrapping around it. They're very powerful. What Eagle Council is, is a kind of gathering of doers, of people who are already in the fray. They've decided to make a difference in the community they're in. Sometimes they're volunteers at the grassroots level. Sometimes they're elected officials. Sometimes their issue is pro-life or pro-family. Sometimes the issue is education or transparency. Um, it, it's, it's a different kind of gathering. We have had... 1,200 people for the presidential candidates in 2015. That was a huge, almost a, uh, our biggest event that I've been a part of. But other times we'll have 150 at a meal. But the, what's happening at the meal and what's happening in the rooms is of a quality of, in two ways. One, you got a lot of wise people. You got a lot of people, uh, you know, sometimes some these days we're missing some of our greats. Kitty Worthman, who passed away in the last year and a half, I guess it was. She was um, extraordinary. But so are people like Marilyn Shannon. She's the chairman of the board of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Tamara Scott, Noreen McCann, um, all these different folks, our own staff. So experienced. They the quality of the people and the experience level is off the charts. So what do you get? You get the networking opportunity that can amplify your uh, skill set and your um, uh, it can amplify what you're doing by giving you more um, strength and resolve and uh, and experience. So, for example, uh, Woody Woodrum out in California, one of our great leaders, he's been coming, he and his wife Donna, for years. And when it comes to the fight in California for the platform committee, for example, which is going on right now, Woody's a guy I can call and say, hey, Woody, who, who's who? What's what? Where are the, the key players? You know, where's the traps here? And that kind of thing. So you get two things. You get quality people 
which is valuable for wisdom. And then you get real good education, education on the key issues. This year, we're going to have a, a speaker on immigration who you've heard on the program, Todd Benzman. He's on the front lines all the time. If you want to understand the issues and you want to amplify your positions, which I hope is to secure the border and, and get our country under control, you want Benzman in your camp. You want him in your hip pocket. This got so, we got so good at this that there was a moment where in the European parliament, one member of the European Parliament, Dominic Tarzinski from Poland, was speaking to a policymaker from Germany. And both guys, Dominic and this German, had been to our Eagle Council. We've had the Hungarians there, Hungarians there speaking about how they use the law to protect and promote the family, the tax code and otherwise. People that say, oh, law's got to be neutral to the family. Neutral to the family is is not neutral. It's a policy decision. And so you've got to decide what you're going to protect and incentivize. Anyway, so all these networking opportunities, and here's why it's so important. In the next couple of years, on the issue of life, because Roe v. Wade is gone, and now we have a brave, new, wide-open landscape, on the issue of immigration and the future of our country based on what we've had in this invasion, on the future of education because of how we've seen what COVID did, we have sort of wide-open fields where a lot of leadership is needed and you've got to get wise and connected, wise and connected, not just connected, not just loud, not just encouraged, get wise and connected. Eagle council, Eagle council is where you want to come September 15th, 16th and 17th in St. Louis. You can come in. It's uh, right at the airport Marriott. It works. For, it's really easy to come in. It's really easy to be a part of it. If you go to Eagle council, EagleCouncil.com. You can go there and find out all the details and sign up. EagleCouncil.com. You're going to want to be a part of it. we got some big announcements of speakers that are coming in the next couple of days. So there you have it. As always, thank you to Noah Dingley, Ryan Height, Mason Mohan, and we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here at the Pro America Report. Talk to you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.